You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 6 p.m. on February 25, 2024, presented by Reverend Chris Duke. We're going to turn to um, the book of James. We started this last week. We only got through one verse last week, so tonight we'll get through a few more. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. Let's give attention to God's word from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Would you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage in James. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and unveil your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Just got to find something there. (laughs) There we go. There was a, no, a number of years ago, a famous Australian made a comment. He said, life wasn't meant to be easy. I wonder if you can recall who said that. Uh, the younger ones might not remember. Malcolm Fraser. Malcolm Fraser. Life wasn't meant to be easy. However, most of us think that life will get easier when certain things happen. Life will get easier if you finish school or uni. Life will get easier if you find that perfect life partner. Life will get easier if you get your dream job. Life will get easier if you're able to retire. From my life experience, there are a lot of ifs in this concept. We often say, I think, if only this happened or this would happen, and often the problem is that our ifs never occur the way we plan, or when you would like them to happen. But along the way, we face challenges, trials, which face difficulties and and hardships. Now, I think many of us have coined this phrase, life wasn't meant to be easy. However, James in his book gives us some helps. He gives us some guidance when life may get tough. Now, last Sunday... James introduced himself as the bondservant of Jesus, the bondservant of Jesus. In other words, the slave of Jesus. So logically, a believer in Jesus Christ is also a slave of Jesus. Now, our world is foreign to the world of Jesus Christ. 
as you read the book of James, you'll find that there are 59 commands. Though James doesn't shy away from telling us what to do, these commands come in the context of what Jesus has already done for us. Our goal as we embrace James, James's advice is to live for the glory of God. You see, God is at work to grow our faith when life gets tough. I want us to note two things tonight. I want us to note the reality and the purpose of trials and then our response to trials. To be sure, your trials that you ever experienced, they are real. The trials that you have, they're real when you go through them. But in the process of the trial, it also has a purpose. And so James says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And James uses a verb here that's also used in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, which is, uh, concerns the story of the Good Samaritan, where the man in the story falls into the hands of robbers. So when James says that when you fall, he means that a trial or a difficulty or a hardship, it comes along unexpected. Your trial or difficulty comes out of nowhere. Now, for some of you, it could be the unexpected heart attack or it could, it be, it could be the unexpected blood test or the x-ray when you're called in by the doctor because something's not quite right or when something that affects your a dearly loved one, maybe even the passing of a loved one or maybe it's when you're called into the boss's office and he has to let you go. James says there are various trials. There are mammoth trials, there are small trials of all kinds, shapes and sizes that causes us so much anxiety and concern. You see, the anxiety comes from not knowing where our trials are coming from and not knowing when they'll come and not knowing the end result when they do come. And this is our life in our fallen world as we live in this world today. However, James helps us here because, dear believers, you know that in life there will be trials. You can respond by either being anxious or fall into some self-protecting mode. You know, most of us like to live a comfortable life. We desire that our lives will run smoothly, but when a trial comes, Anxiety overtakes us and life becomes miserable. In the second option from James, God wants us to respond to trials and he gives us resources on how to respond. James gives us a reason, a purpose for trials. In verses 3 and 4 he says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lack in nothing. Testing produces patience. Testing allows you to patiently endure whatever comes without allowing distress to influence your beliefs. The production of patience allows you not to be swayed one way or the other, not to be tossed to and fro, 
God in James is telling you and I that when trials come, the purpose is to grow your faith. That which is perfect and complete is when we produce a mature faith, a mature faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1 tells us what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, when you were a student, did you enjoy doing tests and exams? No one. The only way a teacher would know, though, if you knew the work, is through doing a test. So he gave you a test. And we all love tests, don't we? <laughs> to be sure and certain of what you don't see, of what you hope for, the only way to be sure and certain about those things is to be tested in your faith through living in the world. We will be tested in this life. There will be trials in this life. There will be trials in this life in the world where we walk by sight so many times. That's the way that you become sure and certain in a world that you cannot see. Faith, not works, is a central, con it's a central concern for James in this letter. Faith, not works. So we'll either be crushed by trials or we'll let our faith grow by the trials that we go through. These are James's two options. Now, our loving, trying God has a purpose in our trials. In verse 4 he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Is James telling us that we'll only be perfect when we don't sin? Is this the kind of faith God is looking for, a perfect faith with no sin and no falling into sin? Now, I can tell you now that James is not an advocate for the doctrine of sinless perfection. Instead, James talks about God's purpose. Our trials are not some random occurrence. Everything God allows has a reason because of his major attribute of being kind and gracious. God's goal, God's purpose, is that we reach a maturity of our faith so that we become fully human through trials. Are you really the person people might think you are? Are you afraid that people are not going to find out who you really are when nobody's looking? James says that we become real when God tests our faith and grows us through the hard times to be more like Jesus. Every time that something difficult happens in your life, is pointing you to Jesus. Through trials, Jesus is making you to be more like him and therefore truly human. And this is to make us think how we should live. When something bad happens, who do you run to? You don't run to someone who's never had a bad time. You find a person who's got some battle scars because that person has been there and that person who's got the most battle, star, battle scars is Jesus himself. Our trials point us to Jesus. Friends, that's the main reason and purpose of our trials. How then should you respond to trials? James gives three responses. 
In verse 2 he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I'm sure that nobody wakes up in the morning from having a good sleep, a restful sleep, and prays to God, give me a really hard trial today. Does anybody wake up like that? No. James isn't saying that here. We don't go looking for hard times. Rather, when trials come, we're to face them with joy, with joy. Now, this is a command. He says, count it all joy. Our joy in trials comes from knowing God and what his purposes are. Our joy will depend on our perspective. Friends, when difficulties arise, when your life seems to be unravelling, joy will not come from yourself. We cannot say, hey, presto, to make ourselves joyous. We cannot of ourselves just whip it up or work, it, work up a feeling of joy when your life is falling apart. Joy doesn't come from yourself, but it does begin when you realise that your trial has a purpose. When you realise that your trial comes to you under the sovereign hand of a God who actually loves you. Friends, when you know that nothing passes through Jesus' nail-pierced hands except what he has purposed, it's all from him. So joy depends on your perspective. Secondly, as James says, count it all joy, in verse 4 he says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then in verse 5 he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now the first response to your trials is joy. The second is prayer. How do we get this joy? Do we tell ourselves, I'm feeling really joyful today? I'm joyful. Do you just grit your teeth, grin and bear it and, and say, boy, I'm joyful? When bad things happen? James isn't saying that. James says, ask. Let him ask God. To experience joy in trials never comes naturally. It comes from asking God. What does verse 5 say? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And what does he do? He gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now here, James is not a legalist because he says God gives generously. Don't we just love generous people? They give without expecting anything in return. So if you want to understand what God is like, God gives to all people who call upon him in the name of Christ because God gives liberally and generously in order to bless them and bless you and God gives without reproach. What does that mean? You know, as a parent, our children on occasions, they might have needed to ask for some money. And then shortly afterwards they would come again and they would ask for some more money. Now the natural response is to ask what happened to the money I gave you just a few days ago. And it was the right question to ask, I think, as a parent, had they been wasteful or not. It was the right to reproach them. But God doesn't reproach you. God doesn't say that I gave you grace last week to get through that trial. So what did you do with that grace that I gave you already? God doesn't reproach you with folded arms and chastise you. 
God says, come as you are and ask. And I will give to you liberally. And I will give to you generously without question, without reproach. Please know that this is the God that we come to pray to for wisdom, for guidance, for patience, to endure when life isn't easy. When life gets tough, friends, this is an amazing promise when we're experiencing difficulties in life. And James says, you don't get patience, you don't learn endurance by trying harder, you get it by asking for it, asking God for it. Therefore, it's because we know who God is and what his ultimate goal is that our ultimate joy will depend upon. Now, when I was a 16-year-old, I played in my first A-grade cricket match on turf. When going out to bat, the first ball I faced was a bouncer. It went over my head, and the bowler was the fastest bowler in the league. The second ball, I missed it just outside the off stump, and the third ball completely bowled me. So my short innings, I hadn't even hit the ball. Nervously in the second inning, I got bat on ball and managed to make some runs. In fact, it was the highest score for the team. But who's bragging? Nothing tests faith, faith like difficulties. You can know scriptures and you can know creeds and you can know hymns, and we do that. If you want to know what you really believe about the Bible and about God, you'll know this when trials come when you're tested in the faith. James says the solution is to ask God to pray and joy will come. Then James says to ask in faith. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. So James brings us the the central theme of his letter, which is faith. How do we get it? How, how does it increase in our lives? Now, my name is, my name is, uh, my second name is Thomas. My first name is Christopher. So I'm Christopher Thomas. Now, when you look at the meanings of my name, it, it seems that it's contradic contradictory because it means a Christ bearer doubting Thomas. Well, friends, when Thomas missed seeing the risen Lord, remember, and he doubted the word of the other disciples, did his doubting cancel him from being a believer? Was he cancelled by the Lord Jesus? The answer is no. James doesn't say that if you're a doubter, then you're disqualified. Abraham in the Old Testament is held up as being the father of faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yet when you read about the life of Abraham, he wasn't always perfect all the time. There were times when he did doubt and he told some half-truths, especially concerning his wife Sarah. Abraham wasn't perfect. But James is saying that you may stumble, you might doubt, but those don't disqualify you as a person of faith. There are times when doubting isn't necessarily wrong because it's part of the trial in order to bring you 
out to be more mature in the faith. The person that James is lining up is the uncommitted and double-minded person. He uses the analogy of a wave, which of course the wave by the wind is tossed to and fro. It goes wherever the wind blows it. And this is the person who says, I'm not sure about God, but that person will still, still do a religious thing. They might light a candle in a church. We don't light candles here, but they might light a candle in a church or they might go to church only at Easter and, and at Christmas. It's a faith that's not truly in God and it's not going to work. So don't be double-minded. So if you're a doubter, Jesus is patient with doubters. As a pastor, there are things that I do not know. A, number, a few years ago, I lost my first beloved far too young and I don't know why God took her. But dear friends, I can tell you this, I know that God loves me and I know that he loves you. And trials that come your way are sent to mature your faith, you in the faith, to teach you perseverance and even long-suffering. I know that Jesus has saved me. And despite hard times, despite difficulties, that is the most important thing to know this side of, G of glory. Jesus loves me. And with the uncertainties of life, with all the doubts which make us wonder, is this Jesus, the Christ, for real? This is how we come to God. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you come trusting in him. You come trusting in his finished work when he, he died on the cross. Believe God. Believe God rather than your feelings and when you do that, that's faith. Friends, there may be some truth in the saying that life wasn't meant to be easy, but where is God when life isn't easy? If you know who's sending the trial and why he's sending them, then it makes all the difference in the trials and the difficulties that you face. If you know who God is and why he's sending them, and James says something counterintuitive here, he says, count it all joy. Do something that's different. But notice what James doesn't say because James is a very good pastor. He doesn't say, now that you know, stop being sad, shape up and get, up and, you know, get after it. He doesn't say those things. James points us here to Jesus. Was there anyone who experienced trials more than Jesus. In the Bible, I believe only Job comes close. But when Jesus hung on the cross and when at his last breath he cried out to his father, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He at that moment became sin for us. He bore the pain and the shame and the suffering of our sin, of your sin and my sin, upon himself. At that moment when the father turned away from whom he perfectly loved, 
Jesus is the one, only one who's endured that trial. So you and I never have to. You can search all the world religions and philosophies and the worldviews people have devised, but you'll never meet somebody like Jesus. Friends, when you're going through a difficult time, you can never say that Jesus doesn't know and he doesn't understand because he's been there before you. Jesus knows and he understands because he's already gone through many trials, the ultimate trial. And he, in his frailties, in his humanness, faced them faithfully in our place. Jesus knows what you're going through. He understands. He always knows. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? He always knows what you're going through. He's always been there. there there's no other God like him. No idol can ever say, I've been there. And this is a powerful resource to transform how we deal with life's difficulties and trials. Trials reveal what your faith, what you really believe, what you truly believe. Nothing makes believing in God more difficult than trials. If in life you haven't really experienced a trial yet, it will come one day, to be sure. And James does not promise that we won't have trials, but James has good news for you and for me. He tells you, he tells us right here that true faith is never born on the days when everything is going rosy. True faith, tested faith, real faith only comes when life gets hard. James is so realistic with us. There's no silver linings here about faith. James says life's going to be hard at times, but Jesus will be with you. Are you finding it hard, really hard to believe in God right now? Does God seem to be distant and not real? Has a trial made you think twice about God and question his reality? James gives you a picture of a generous God here. And Paul reminds us in Romans 8.32, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, graciously give us all things? It's the cross that shows us the generosity of God. Do you wonder what he'll give you when you ask? Well, then look at the cross. God has given us Jesus and there's nothing better. God has given his very best. That's how generous God is. Jesus died for your sin. He paid the price for your sin so that we who believe in him will never have to pay that price ourselves. Friends, are you attracted to Jesus tonight? We love what we're attracted to. Are you attracted to Jesus tonight? Our hearts are always attracted to something. Or are you indifferent? And are you neither hot nor cold? Jesus never lets us be neutral about himself. I'm either the son of God who loved you and gave myself for you, or I'm not. And the choices we make have eternal consequences. Jesus says, don't sit on the fence, come down and experience love <clears throat> and joy like you've never experienced before. That's God's generosity. Friends, our trials shape us to be the people that God wants us to be, to walk with God through Christ in faith. 
believing his word, believing in his promises, to mature in faith so that will also be some earthly good for others in his kingdom. God is in the business of shaping us by our trials and hardships. And therefore, just finally, trials are a sign that you are his, that you're walking the same path that the son walked and that one day, when it's all said and done, you'll fit with Jesus up there. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder from James about trials. We thank you that we're asked to count it all joy when we go through trials. And Lord, we know that the purpose of trials is to produce patience in us and to produce a, an attitude where we ask you and we come closer to you and we mature in the faith. Lord, we pray that for each one of us here that you will do this in our lives, that you will mature us in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, now and forevermore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. More messages of hope at essendonpresbyterianchurch.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.